This is Partners in Practice, a weekly series dedicated to the evolving field of the advanced practice clinician. Partners in Practice is produced this week in cooperation with the Association of Family Practice Physician Assistants, offering three annual CME conferences for PAs and NPs at family-friendly destinations nationwide. Now, here is your host, physician assistant, Lisa DeAndre Linnell. One of the great aspects of the physician assistant profession is its flexibility in employment. A PA has the ability to work in many areas of medicine throughout their career, but what about non-medical roles? As the profession matures, PAs have developed careers in many non-traditional settings, and here today to discuss these roles is physician assistant Bob Blum. Bob has been a surgical physician assistant for over 40 years, and he's been an enormous contributor to the PA profession at every level. Bob is a distinguished fellow of the AAPA and has served as an administrator, clinician, and a mentor to physician assistants. We're happy to have him here today to discuss alternative roles for physician assistants. Hi, Bob. Welcome to Partners in Practice. And it's a pleasure to be with you, Lisa. Bob, the PA jobs have changed dramatically from the 1960s when the PAs worked in the hyperbaric chamber. The PA mores, I believe, are stronger, but like every society, the norms have changed. Can you tell us what is the new PA employment norm? It's extremely difficult to cite just one, but we can find assistance by looking at the pie chart in a recent edition of Advance for NPs and PAs. The chart demonstrated figures that were very close to that of the American Association of Surgical PAs, which demonstrate close to 27% of the PA profession going on into the surgical specialties. In my vast journeys around the country, hospitalists are in great demands by both physicians, surgeons, and medical directors. And if I were looking at a specialty group that's beginning to bloom like a rose in the springtime, I'd say look at intensive radiology. Yeah, a lot of PAs, they've separated. And as we know, there's a PA in every specialty of medicine right now. But they've also carved out a lot of non-traditional PA roles that a lot of people don't think about, a lot of niche jobs. But let's talk about some of the more common jobs first, starting with practice management. PAs don't have any extra business training during their program. So why do you see so many PAs working as practice managers? Well, Lisa, I think that necessity is always going to be the mother of invention. In my own practice, I became a practice manager in three years, in addition to my other duties. Why? It's because I understood the complexity of a surgical case. I understood the anesthesia care. The loss of time between cases, if you were working in operating rooms, I knew what equipment and supplies were needed in both the OR and the office. And I had a personal knowledge of a patient who may be having a rocky course versus a patient with complaints relating to their insurance. And I was able to direct or instruct the office staff to prioritize as to who was to be addressed immediately. So within short order, my supervising physician discovered the importance of this role, and I became his eyes and ears. So you think because PAs pay attention to all the small details that eventually they just kind of grow into the job? Absolutely. It doesn't take any specific training. All right. So hospital administration is a totally different management animal. And there's a few scattered PAs that have worked their way up this ladder, such as Jim Shulin, who's the CAO for Johns Hopkins Department of Emergency Medicine. 
And if a PA is interested in this type of role, do you recommend they get an MBA? Well, I'm personally aware of at least 15 friends of mine who are PAs who have reached the summit. Mike Milner is the Assistant Surgeon General of the United States. He's a Rear Admiral. And his method, other than being a superb PA supervisor, was he went on to get a doctorate. The MBA is no longer the gold ring on the carousel. I would consider today, besides an MBA, going for something like a master's in public health, a master's in hospital administration, or a master's in healthcare administration. All of these, which will add to your versatility and to your contact list. What about medical sales? Years ago, I worked in surgery, and we used to have product reps in the OR, and they'd teach us how to use their products. And I always thought, boy, that'd be a great job for a PA. Have you seen many PAs moving into that role? Well, I think HIPAA has greatly interfered with the role of product reps teaching docs during a case, perhaps with the exception of orthopedists, where I still see it all too often. If, like Martin Luther King Jr., I could have a dream, it would be that every one of these positions would be filled by a surgical PA who understands the surgical complexities, the equipment, the patient's deteriorating health, and their prognosis. I know I have functioned in this role, and it worked out well and was greatly appreciated, not only by the physician or the company, but by the surgical team, which consists of the techs and the nurses, basically everyone that's involved. And this is perhaps one of the reasons why I do suture workshops around the country, because there's a consistent learning process from someone who's experienced. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Partners in Practice. I'm PA Lisa DeAndre Linnell, and I'm speaking with Bob Blum, and we're discussing alternative roles for physician assistants. So, Bob, consultants, they're everywhere, and there are PAs being consultants in legal and medical and management internationally. How do PAs end up in these roles? Well, I presently have four consulting roles besides my other work, and I ask myself the question, well, how did I get them? And the way I got them was I wrote articles that are seen on the Internet, and then I received phone calls. As a conference speaker, I demonstrate passion, which is a product manager's mind creates interest and understanding. So you need to be an expert in the area that you speak and have an absolute conviction in your product or in your medications, and then you can go as far as even going to the company. Hey, forensic medicine. There are many PAs that work in this field. We had a guest here once, Michelle Mack, who's the Director of Forensic Investigation for the District of Columbia. And she let us know that it's not really like you see on CSI. But if you're a PA and you're interested in forensic medicine, how would you get involved in that? Well, one of my close friends was the PA Director of the Office of the Chief Medical Examiner in New York City during 9-11. And he was later replaced by Shia Rabowski. The former PA received PA of the Year from NISPA for his leadership during this national crisis. Forensic medicine is for the PA who has an inquisitive mind, who loves science and research, and is young, healthy, and athletic. Why do I add those last three? It's because the person who goes into this, whether it be a female or a male, may need to climb eight floors into an apartment house with a broken elevator. Mm. And this field kind of opens doors to many others, including writing and producing and management. 
Yeah, you brought up Shia Rabowski. That would be a television production job. He was a forensic PA who ended up working for Law & Order setting up murder scenes. Are you aware of other PA opportunities like that in TV or film, and how do you find those? Well, television producers in medicine and healthcare are providers with extraordinary experiences, things that they've seen, seen that they've experienced or they supervised and are aware of the details. And they have bothered to document them so that they could be written and then verbalized and then with the modality of acting could be recreated with realism, a message, and a theme, even if it consists of horror shows. So if you have the basic, seek out the studios who will have you. So I'm a criminal minds junkie. How do I get a job there? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess you'd have to follow the same route. You'd have to be in one of those areas of background and start making good notes. All right. So writers, there are PAs who publish their work in many forums. You publish all over in medical literature. There's horror writers. Russ Dorr, who writes for Stephen King, is a PA. If you have a skill for the written word... How should you nurture it? I think writers must first be readers. And as readers, they discover what is missing. Where is their silence? Where is there a void or a vacuum? And what will create interest in me as an individual? And therefore, what will create interest to the reader in general? Writing also comes from the need of self-expression, from the ability to look beyond the veil from the desire to create new ideologies and to stir enthusiasm in your peers. So how do you start? You can start on a blog. You can start on a forum. You can join a state or a specialty society, write in their newsletter, and advance to one of the PA journals, and then perhaps contribute a chapter to a textbook. And then even doing something such as we're doing right now, we're doing an interview which are verbal messages for those who do not take the time to read. But I'd say that's the process. Let's talk about writing for journals. You know, if you're a PA and you read an article and you think, boy, I could really do that, I could write that, what's the process? Is it difficult or, you know, how would you recommend somebody start if they think they'd like to build those skills? Well, I'd say, what particular interest do I have? I'm 62. That's pretty darn old. And at 62, I'm beginning to worry about the care that I'm going to receive in 10 years. So geriatrics is floating around in the back of my head as a theme for a next article or a next talk at a conference or something like this. So there has to be a need and then a desire to fulfill the need. That means it requires research and then an outline and, of course, then to make a presentation, put it on paper, send it to the appropriate journal where they have an editorial board. It gets kicked out to five or six of us people who are on editorial boards. We make comments. You make changes, and ultimately it can be accepted. And I think writing an article is very much like delivering a baby. It gives you a great sense of self-satisfaction. So instead of just researching it for your own knowledge, you're saying research it and share that knowledge at the same time. Absolutely. You need to gain your knowledge, and you have to think of what your you know, other colleagues are going to be asking what they may be missing and put them all into the same soup. It's like making stew. All right, let's talk about the government. 
There are several PAs who currently hold state office positions and local positions. What other opportunities do you see for PAs in that field? Well, I say wherever there is a government job, there is an opportunity for a PA if you want it. And how do you really start? One of the ways you start in any political realm is to look at who's running for a particular office and start by working on an election team. After you've worked on an election team and understand the philosophy behind it and working with other peoples and sharing opinions, then it's time for you to run for perhaps a village office. I ran for my school board, and then I ran for president of the school board, and I did both jobs. From there, you can move on to a town, and then a city, and then a state. And then if your goals are that great, you can think of going nationally. Government service, as you know, has many rewards, but it also has a few dark days. And what I would consider if I was doing this, if you have skeletons in your closet, don't let your ego get in the way of you want to become a governor, you want to become a congressman or a senator. If you have the skeletons there, save yourself the embarrassment, save your family the embarrassment, and cop out of it and find something else that will maintain your interest. Perhaps that's academics. We've seen many PAs in leadership roles with PA education, but now we're starting to see PA leadership in the medical school setting. Albert Simon, Vice Dean for the School of Osteopathic Medicine in Arizona. What are your thoughts about the PAs moving up that ladder? Well, academia consists of vision, intelligence, structure, and organization. You need to have successful students, research, and a lot of time. And if this is accomplished as a PA educator, then why not as a dean in a medical school? These trailblazers that have done this before prove that PAs and NPs can do many of the very same jobs as their physician counterparts. And it's a matter of the self-realization that we are equal as we go out into this particular world. Bob, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for the opportunity. We've been talking with Bob Blum, and I thank him for reminding us that PAs have and continue to carve out new roles for the PA profession. You've been listening to Partners in Practice on ReachMD. Partners in Practice has been produced this week in cooperation with the Association of Family Practice Physician Assistants, offering three annual CME conferences for PAs and NPs at family-friendly destinations nationwide. You can download this program or any other program at our library at ReachMD.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for listening.